Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Hey, hey, I have to talk into the mic. How are you doing today? It's good. Good to see you. <laughs> Always good. Always good. We've uh, had a full summer here. Oh my gosh. I you've can't been... believe it's the end of July. I know. You've been traveling. Yeah. Everywhere. We, we had some good alumni events in June and the the reunion this past weekend. Oh my gosh. Such a fun time. So, Such a fun time. Yeah. We'll have to hear more as time goes on about that. Yeah. Um, and we are seeing so many um, travelers coming into Steubenville for all the conferences that are happening this summer. Yeah, it's really fun to see. I guess we were here last summer, but it still kind of felt like a pandemic. But yeah, I agree. This I summer, agree. There, it, there's a, a lot of people coming to campus, a lot of alums and visitors and students. I love it. We have some family members coming to the conference. Um, and I just I, I love the energy it brings to the city. Yeah. I really do. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of energy, you <laughs> won't even believe this. So uh, this past weekend, or I don't know when time time gets away from me. Yes. I was dropping somebody off on campus um, that was not a part of the conferences, but was just dropping them off. And it was 1130 at night. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm driving up the hill. And I had been traveling and was just a little out right. of it. And campus at 1130 at night was insane there's just this madhouse <laughs> of people everywhere and like groups of people and people on the in the lawn and on the streets and right. everywhere and I was like what is going on were you like am I in an alternate universe is it is it daytime <laughs> up here it was wild and then I started noticing all the matching t-shirts oh there you go thematic uh, dress so it was a conference weekend, and I just like was not aware of it. But there, I love that. it was fully alive. Campus was alive. <laughs> I love that the spirit is alive and well up on campus, and the conferences are going really well. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great time. It's a great time. Yeah, it's kind of fun to be on a campus when it's not students, but there's still just a lot of life. It's not like yes. a dead zone of summer. It really it stays alive all year round. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, speaking of guests coming, our guest today on the podcast, um, actually just went to a youth conference with his, um, his group from where he's from, his youth group. And he was on campus for a really long time, actually, yeah. as a student and an RD. So he, um, Ian Gill is our guest today and he graduated in 2016, but then he stayed on campus for four more years as an RD. Um, down at J. Sarah, and he just has some great tales to tell about being on campus as an employee, about being on campus as a student, and about being one of the founding members on the Ultimate Frisbee D3 team. He has a beautiful story to tell about that, about the origin of that team, and about the forming of a, a companionship and a brotherhood that still goes on today. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think it's a neat legend that we're able to share um, and a, a good part of history that is still continuing today. Yeah, so we can't wait to hear from Ian. Welcome, Ian. 
How are you doing? Yeah, thank you for having me. Good. I, I'm doing great. I'm just so excited. <laughs> so listen, I feel like I'm your guys' biggest fan. So super excited. <laughs> well, I feel like we made it in the world here. <laughs> we have fans. This is exciting. I was joking with Ian beforehand that I think he, he was saying that he's listened to a lot of our episodes, almost all of them. And I said, well, that's better than my own mom. So <laughs> thank you, Ian. <laughs> yeah. And we've been excited for Ian's story and what he has to share. So before we get started, Ian, can you give us a little background about where you're from and how you landed in Steubenville. Yeah, my my dad was in the Air Force, and so I was actually born in Texas, but we had moved to Japan after about a year, so I spent my childhood in Japan, but then eventually when I was about 10 years old, we moved over to Maryland, which I call home now. And um, when I was looking for colleges, I determined that my junior year in high school that I was going to be a youth minister and had that kind of idea where I wanted to get a youth ministry degree or a theology degree of some kind. My campus minister in high school was a Franciscan grad and she did a really good job of not necessarily pushing you too hard to, you have to go to this school or something like that. But um, I went on a college tour with my dad over the, over the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. So I visited about six colleges, all Catholic schools looking for the right school. I visited Franciscan and for some reason in my mind, I had the idea, I didn't even know the word charismatic, but I had the idea that Franciscan was just like all praise and worship and um, hands held high and stuff like that. Um, So I already had kind of like a preconceived notion of what Franciscan was. And when I visited the campus, there was literally a guy like playing guitar barefoot with like girls around him. I was like, this guy's a plant. Like you guys put him here on the admissions tour. This guy's a plant. You're like, it's a fake. It's a fake. (laughs) I didn't really, it didn't really strike me. I was like, oh, every school has a library. I I wasn't necessarily impressed at first during that summer. And then that fall, I had visited Franciscan with uh, my campus minister. And on the way up the hill, she's just screaming, so stoked to be back on campus. She's like, welcome to the holiest place in America. I I was like, okay, we'll see how that goes. I stayed overnight for a weekend on a Thursday night. I stayed on LOJ wing in St. Francis. And um, I stayed up all night with those guys just like playing video games and like talking. And it was like two or three in the morning and we went to bed the next day, Friday morning, they woke up at like six and I was like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, we're going to mass if you want to come. And I was like, it's Friday. It's like, why are we going to, why are we going to mass? And I was like, oh man, well, this place is really different. If these guys are going to stay up and play video games and wake up the next day and still go to mass. I was like, wow, that's what makes friends. That's what makes Franciscan different is like the people that go there and the rest is history. There you go. What a great beginning to a great story. Yeah, that's, it's it's neat that you're now like a generational youth minister, campus minister, essentially, that now you can influence people as well. Yeah, in a sense, I, I coach some uh, high school teams. I'm trying to get them to go to Franciscan and kind of get them to go, but I'm trying to be like my campus minister and not push too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it, just mention and wear Franciscan stuff all the time. <laughs> There you go. Subtly, subtly brainwash them, right? <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> That's great. No, I think it's those relationships that you you begin to then realize where the root of the relationship lies. You know, like you with your your campus minister and your youth minister, and you think, wait a minute, I I like this person. I want to be like this person. How is this person the way they are? You know, you start asking those yourself those questions. So, yeah, yeah. So you get 
to campus, obviously. So did you, you graduated high school, you come as a freshman then to Franciscan? Yes. So I, I came as a freshman, uh, had the ideas of, you know, being a Theo cat major, it seemed like the cool thing to do. Plus that was, you know, that's kind of the route that I wanted to take. And so I remember my first college class, it was a science class. And the professor was like, you can sleep in my class. I give partial credit for true and false. And I was like, man, college is great. <laughs> and then my second, my second class, the professor was like, all right, there's a midterm and a final I lecture. And then you have to take the notes and half of it's in the textbook, half of it's my lecture. Good luck. And I was like, whoa, college is the worst. This is tough. <laughs> so extremes. So when you're on campus, do you get, did you get involved in intramurals? Did you get involved in household? What were you into? Well, that freshman year, that, that very first orientation, um, there, there was like a pickup ultimate Frisbee game. And I, I had been involved in ultimate a little bit in high school, but I was a baseball player. But that year was the first year that Franciscan had cut its baseball team. Mm. And so I was like, I got I want to do something. So I want to, I want to do ultimate Frisbee. And so I was playing at this pickup game. Um, and the guy approached me and said, Hey, uh, you're, you're pretty good at ultimate Frisbee. I'm thinking of starting an actual official team. Do you want to do that? And I was like, of course. Yeah, I would love to do that. I'm not very good, but I can, I can help out as much as possible. And so that first year, freshman year was our, it was all paperwork that year where it was, we were writing a constitution um, with a bunch of the founding members trying to get recognized by the student government, recognized by the student life office, because we were a sports team, but not NCAA. Right. And you're so not, we, yeah, you weren't intramural and you're not NCAA. So what are you? Right. Yeah. So we had a, so we were technically a club and so we had to serve, serve the needs of the campus in addition to competing and getting funding from the student government. And so that first year, my freshman year, so that was 2012 to 13, it was the, just the formation of the team. So we actually didn't play an official season until that next year, my sophomore year. And so that founding member, you know, approached me and they had come from this holy family Catholic conglomerate of homeschoolers. And they were the best high school players in the nation. They had won um, the biggest tournament in high school. And so you had all these homeschool kids that were coming from Cincinnati. And then you had the homegrown talent of all these intramural players because intramurals were always big on campus, well, especially. Yeah, very Watch serious. Out. Yeah. From flag football to ultimate Frisbee, we, there was already talent on campus. Oh, we yeah. knew that. We just had to take the actual skills of being a team and not just your kind of backyard um, pickup games, elevating that into an actual structure and a team that actually traveled. And so that first season was not really a season. It was just putting it together. Um, and we continued from there. Who, who was it that first approached you to start the team? Did they become a leader on the team or were they the coach or how did that work? Did you have to coach yeah, so yourselves? His name, yes. Okay. So <laughs> that first, that first year, so the, what I would say is one of the founding members, Tommy Cook, he had come from um, Cincinnati and we already had some of those Cincinnati players already on campus. Um, one of them was a junior, going to be a senior that next year. And so that senior, he was the oldest one on the team, the only senior. He was um, our kind of player coach and Tommy was really the talent behind the team. And then I tried to do all the logistics, whether it was like the hotels or 
all the constitutions, going to the student government meetings and wow. all of that. Um, that first season when we were official, when we were coaching ourselves, we were in the game to go to nationals. And so how the structure of Frisbee works is that there's your conference, your region, and then the national um, competition. And so we had played in some tournaments and then that conference, we qualified to go to regionals and that regionals, we were in the game to go and we lost by a point um, to make our first nationals that very first year as a program. That's and good. so oh my goodness. Um, putting together that squad from those Cincinnati guys and then the formation are, of the team. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. I was in, these are 20 year old, 21 year old guys, 20, maybe 22 year old guys legitimately putting together a mini athletic program, recruiting their own people, setting their own practices, making their own arrangements to try to get to a national competition. This is like, you're defying the odds already. I mean, your prefrontal cortex wasn't even developed yet. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, job, we were, we, it was a, it was a big commitment, especially, especially that first couple of years. And then the commitment as a team in general, ultimate Frisbee isn't a, a sport that's played with regular season games with one-off games. You're giving up entire weekends to go to these tournaments and those, those initial guys, not just the Cincinnati guys, but the initial guys that formed the team, there was something about them that really wanted to compete and do well. Um, one of the main reasons is that when they were coming up, so the two groups of people I would say are the Cincinnati folks and the kind of the homegrown talent at Franciscan and those homegrown guys, they were all best friends. And when we were naming the team, those guys had a friend named Neil Rylett who was, he went to Franciscan for a couple months, but uh, he had leukemia growing up and he was in remission and then it came back. So we had to leave Franciscan again, but they were all really, they, they played Frisbee all the time. And uh, Neil was an avid ultimate player and he would have definitely been on the team. And so when we were um, forming the team together, um, Neil had passed away and they had, they had like um, an, uh, an intramural team that was dedicated in his honor and stuff like that. And um, when we were naming the team, his nickname was Fat Al, which was, he, his name was Neil Albert Rylett. And he was so skinny and his middle name, um, they, his household servants of the savior named him Fat Al as kind of a, you know, kind of a joke, joke but yeah. we, we were thinking about names for the team and we're not going to call ourselves the fat Alberts or uh, so we, we chose fatal. We put fat and Al together, put fatal. And uh, at first we were thinking of the fatal fog because of mm. the scent in Steubenville. Oh, we gosh. were like, drop the fog, just fatal. That's cleaner. I like it. Fatal. I mean, that's, that's a really fierce name. That's it's intimidating. Yeah. That's a good I name. I like it. Yeah. Franciscan fatal. It has a, has a nice ring to it. And, uh, we were we were voted uh, the number one name in D three Ultimate by uh, there's this uh, there's this news website that does Ultimate Frisbee news and they liked our name the best so oh hey that's, that's another great. little honor so what year would it would this have been um, the founding and that first inaugural year so 2012 to 2013 was the unofficial start and then our first season was 2014 to 2015. Um, actually 2013 to 2014 and we were in that game to go. And so that next year, which was my junior year and the senior year for 
um, all of Neil's best friends. So that was mm-hmm. their senior year. And so that first season, you, the first we season you were in the game to go it. and we lost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that next year was what I would say the magical year. And it's kind of like the best untold sports story at Franciscan. Um, that's why we're, that's what we're here for. We're on the edge oh, yeah. of our give seat. us Give us the details. We want to, we want to feel the journey. Okay. <laughs> so imagine yourself, you're, you're on the cusp of being a nationally competitive team, you know, in your second year as a program. And so we, we get these two other players from Cincinnati and they're like the best ultimate Frisbee players I've ever played with. We get those guys. It's their freshman year. It's the senior year of Neil's best friends. And we just, we just start crushing games. We go to these tournaments and we start winning games and that whole season we actually go undefeated. So it was, it was about like a 29 and 0 record. And so we start winning these games. And so how ultimate is set up, you have multiple tournaments and the tournaments decide your seating before you go to the playoffs and conferences, regionals, nationals before conferences, we had gone undefeated in the regular season and we were just on fire. How, how good we really were. And then it was announced that nationals would take place in Rockford, Illinois, which was the hometown of Neil and the, his best friends hadn't been back to Rockford, you know, since his funeral, because they were all pallbearers at his funeral. And so there was a sense of destiny about this team where, you know, we, we were the number one ranked team in the country. We were going in our second year. Nobody knew who we were. And right. we you were, were just you were rolling. No, you're nobodies to everybody else on the ultimate Frisbee team. I mean, there are brand huge new schools that they have coaches. They probably hire, right. <laughs> to like coach their exactly. teams. It's like, yeah. who are so these there's kids? two divisions, D one and D three. And we were D three because of our size, but we were complete unknowns. People were like, how did this team? And we were beating mm-hmm. some D one teams as well. They were like, who is this team mm-hmm. coming out of the Ohio Valley? And they just, they just didn't know how much steam we had behind us. And so those guys, especially Neil's friends, those guys knew when that was announced, like number one, we were going to nationals. And if, and if we get there, we're going to win it. Hmm. And so we had run through conferences. So we, we won the conference. We had one bid to go to regionals. So there's several regions. And then sometimes based on schedules and stuff like that, some regions have more teams that should be at nationals. And so only 16 teams go and only one from the Ohio Valley. And so we had to win the regional tournament there was no leeway and when we qualified for nationals i mean the excitement that you could feel of not not only are we going but the confidence behind this team that we had gone basically 21 wins undefeated like we're gonna we're gonna go and take this championship and um we had contacted neil's parents and let them know that we were coming in you know that the tournament was there and they were so excited and they, they actually had money in Neil's foundation and they, they put us up in hotels, which was mm-hmm. a lot of money to house, you know, 25 guys in all these rooms and stuff like that. But we, we got a nice hotel to stay at. And then there was a lot of families that were in Rockford, like the, like the Knights of Columbus came out and like did a catered buffet thing for us Aww. afterwards. And it was, wow. it was amazing. Um, we do have a pretty large student and alumni population in that region. So uh, that's great. I'm glad you guys were supported. His, his Neil's entire youth group came out as well. Oh, and we oh had, we had a hundred people on our sideline at this 
Frisbee tournament, you know, I mean, it's not the mm. biggest spectator event in the country or anything <laughs> like that, but our sideline was massive. Oh. And there was all these families that came and, you know, all the families from Cincinnati and then um, all of uh, all of Neil's, Neil's family, uh, his parents were there for the games. And then when we got there the first day, we had gone undefeated again and we were in the bracket. So the bracket, you know, you have uh, quarters, semis and finals up to the semifinals, no one had scored double digits on us. Usually games are to 13 or 15, depending on the tournament. Nobody had scored double digits on us, and we were just crushing teams. It wasn't until the semifinal game where we were actually up about five, and this team came back on us, and it was tied. It was like 12-12, game to 13. And um, there was a specific moment where at a certain point, it's like we know we we have to win this. It's going to happen. And in Frisbee, the wind is, uh, it affects yeah. the disc very much. And we're, we're going, yeah. we're going upfield against the wind to try to score. There was, there was a certain moment where there was a pass that went, it kind of bounced in the air because of the wind right over defender to our guy to score that last point. And it was the, the elation, like we are going to the championship game and we are going to win this. It's going to be insane. And, um, that last game, that championship game, um, I sometimes I think of it. I get so emotional thinking about it. Sometimes it was so palpable, the um, the excitement in the air. And when that final goal was scored, um, it was thrown by one of the Cincinnati guys. It was thrown to one of Neil's household brothers, um, one of the servants. And it was just it was perfect. It was is it was as if uh, Neil was there with us. And the excitement and the um, perfection of that moment was insane Mm. and so after that we had gotten our medals we went the team went to neil's gravesite and to be there with his uh family we we laid a jersey down we got a jersey for him with his name on the back and we put the jersey down on his grave and we left a medal inside of there's like a little vase next to his um next to his grave he actually has a frisbee engraved on his grave because he loved it so much we put a medal there and so it's still there now it's just in that little vase um, and the boys, the, the friends, the, his best friends hadn't been there since they actually laid him in the ground. And so to be there with them and then to have that moment with his parents, it was, it was something special because I was, I was interviewing, um, one of Neil's friends, uh, because during the pandemic, actually my, my last season at Franciscan got cut short because of the pandemic in sort of a fulfillment. I re I, undertook a like a pandemic project which a lot of people did I feel like <laughs> where they were like oh I'm gonna write a book or something so I, I did all these interviews with these uh players from that season to kind of get their perspectives and one of the most um the best things that were said in those interviews was one of his best friends said that you know usually when you lose a friend or when you lose a child um the memories are kind of all you have and you can't really make any new memories after, after they're gone. But that moment that they had of winning that tournament um, was a moment they made with Neil after he was gone. And so he, his parents got something like that. Mm, His friends got something like that where he was truly there. And so, Mm. yeah, it, it gets me every time. Like I, I really love that story. Mm. That's a beautiful story. I'm just, I'm so glad that you reached out to us to share it because 
it really is. It's like a supernatural, you know? Yeah. And what a beautiful perspective of your companion in that journey of your friend, making memories with those that are, are with us, you know, that in a, in a different way, in a heavenly way, Mm. you know? And to be there from the beginning, it's, it's neat to hear your story because obviously fatal is, has continued and it's still around, but now those are the legends that are going to be told. And so it's neat to hear it from you that you knew his friends and to be a part of that. So thank you. The team has gone well since, I mean, they've been to nationals. They haven't won nationals since, but they placed fifth twice and uh, I think ninth and 10th. So they've been to nationals and they've been um, dominant in the region for so many years now. Um, I looked at their record. They're like 172 and 30 or something like that, where it's a resident came up to me when I, when I was talking about them, when I was an RD, a resident came up and said, you know, with your record with about 80% win rate, you're, you're better than all professional sports teams. The, the, the number one sports team in the world, as far as win rate are the New Zealand all blacks. Like they're the rugby team and they win 70% of their games. Hmm. And so you guys are winning 80% of your games. It's like, you're, you're more likely to win games than the most dominant rugby team in the world. (laughs) That's an amazing story. And I'm so grateful that you were a part of it, but that you feel impelled to tell it because I feel like that's a whole nother, I'm going to say calling and a mini calling, you know, to tell the story, to be the mm-hmm. storyteller of something so meaningful, especially in Franciscan mm-hmm. history. So did you compile all those stories or are you working on in that, on that in a, in a special way, or is this a, a project that will be kind of um, morphing as it goes? You know, I hope to do it one day. I kind of, I, I started that pandemic project by getting all those interviews and uh, I compiled our record book And then um, I wrote the first chapter, which is, you know, that first season and the founding of the team. And then I kind of said, wow, this, uh, this championship story is going to be really tough. I'm going to sit on that for a little bit. And, and then, you know, we ended up moving and stuff like that. And so I have that one chapter written of that founding, (laughs) but not that championship chapter, because I knew it would be such a beast to get all the details and capture the emotion of it in writing. Cause I'm not really much of a writer, but um, I'm a talker. And so that's why, that's why I wanted to come on the podcast. And so we are glad you did. Yeah. We're really glad you're here. That's great. I think, um, like all things at Franciscan, it's in time, you know, the right time and the right place to share things and who knows, uh, how this can come back up again. So, uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm coaching a couple of high school teams now trying to get them, you know, to go to Franciscan to continue that. (laughs) you know, that talent, uh, streak. And uh, so I'm coaching, uh, three teams right now. I Ultimate coach two high school teams. teams. Um, and then Maryland's U 20 mixed team as well. And wow. so I'm trying to get those kids as much as possible to, uh, to get to Franciscan if possible or just continue. Yeah. You're like, we need a, you're in Maryland, right? We need a Maryland gang, right. <laughs> to get to Franciscan, not just the Cincinnati exactly. boys. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that it's continuing and that the opportunities are still there for the guys. And it's very competitive from my experience last summer of just doing some pickup with them. Yeah. It's, it's a serious uh, sport out there. Yeah. We have, uh, we had used to have before all the construction up on campus, um, pickup games up there on the turf field um, during the summer. And it is competitive. I'm like, I get the best workout running around with 19 and 20 year old guys up on the Frisbee field because they're good. And they're, they're very gracious 
and um, mm-hmm. they are good sports to be running around with a 34-year-old woman that has had five <laughs> children, so trying to play Frisbee. The team would go every, because it's a weekend tournament, every Saturday night we'd have to go to Mass because we were playing games on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Having two pews full of these guys in dirty uniforms sometimes, we try to we try to wear, you have a dark jersey and a light jersey, we try to wear our dark, dark jersey all day on Saturday so we can wear our whites to Mass. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the the best moments I had with the team were at those masses where we provided a great witness to whatever parish we were at at this 5 p.m. mass. And some of them, we were at Spanish masses where it's the only mass we could go to. And so you have all the, you have two rows of these Franciscan boys all in their uniforms that say Franciscan on the back of it. Um, and people would think we're a cycling team or a soccer team or something like that. It's like, no, we throw around a plastic frisbee to each other. Um, but that was, that was the coolest part of being on that team is traveling to all those different places, whether it was, we had a tournament in Texas, we were in Niagara Falls and just going all these different places and going to mass on those Saturday nights as a team were the greatest experiences. Yeah. It's a very pure form of, of, um, like love of sport, you know, when you don't have, when, when you're fighting for it for yourselves, you know, you had to do everything. So, Hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We uh, would love to end this with the way that we do all podcasts with our hot takes from the hill, uh, which are just some some quick answers from you to fill in some more gaps of your experience on campus, because I know we didn't do justice to everything. If you were here for eight years um, for undergrad and for serving the university as an RD. So thank you for all that you did in, in the ways that you have served the university. So um, looking back on your time, do you have a favorite professor? Uh, my favorite professor was probably uh, Dr. Now Deacon, Deacon Dr. Bob Rice. Um, <laughs> he was the one I probably learned the most practical skills from. As a, for what you do now? in general or as a father? Yes, so I'm, I'm a <laughs> Catholic school teacher now. I teach theology and um, I, do, I do youth ministry as a volunteer. Um, and I took all my youth ministry classes with him, but the, the way that he taught and how you can be, like how you should be just like a normal person. I don't know if that makes <laughs> sense where it's like, yeah. if you're going to go into ministry, all you have to prove is that you're a normal person that can love Jesus. Just be normal and you'll be fine. <laughs> there, well, now we need like a bumper sticker yeah. for Bob, like be normal, <laughs> love Jesus. You know, like it's like. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like he's still teaching me today because I listened to the They That Hope podcast. Mm, yes. Shout out to them. And so great. I still still hear him all the time. Yeah, yeah. we're hanging out in their digs down yeah. here. This is their podcast looking room. At Bob right now, across the way. <laughs> um, so what was your, I guess after that, what was your favorite class? Now, my favorite class was uh, New Testament with Dr. John Bergsma. Oh, yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah, he's the man. I just – I wish I could have taken more class. I wish I w- could have taken Old Testament with him as well, but that New Testament class opened up Scripture to me in more ways than I could ever imagine. So that was the best. He's hard to beat. That's a good one. Um, did you have a favorite friar or sister from your time on campus? Yes. Yeah, so one of my best friends in the world – is Father Don Frisco, and so you're not, uh, we the, became, you're not the first person to say that on this podcast. Yeah, Blair. <laughs> yeah, yeah Blair, right. Blair had him too. So, um, yeah, he he and I I call him every Sunday at two o'clock. Um, we have a standing appointment, and uh, so over the course of 
you know, the eight years I was there, we've shared many a steak, many a whiskey, uh, <laughs> many a cigar. Lovely. And um, we've traveled together and he uh, officiated our wedding, uh, my wife and I. And so he's, he's just a really good friend. And so I still, uh, I still help him out every once in a while um, with his, uh, with his spreadsheets for his grading, where I input the names, I transport them into Excel. So over to zoom, I take control of his computer and I just attach the names into his spreadsheet so he can enter the grades. And then every time he falls to identity fraud, where he gets a call on the phone and his credit card gets stolen, I help him out with that as much as possible. That's a good friend. Yeah, that is a good friend. And did you guys really foster your relationship when you became an RD those four years? Were you you in the same dorm? Do the dorms have friars and sisters assigned to them or no? Am I making that up? There was, during my time as as an undergrad, they had switched where the, the chaplains no longer lived in the dorms. Right. And so Father Don had moved to the friary, much to his chagrin, because he loved being in the dorms, and that was his form of ministry was just doing those confessions on the bench outside of Francis while yeah. he was smoking a cigar. Yeah, that's true. And so we had a lot of times in Francis and he was the household advisor for the brothers. And so that was my household. Um, and so we spent a lot of time and I would, I would help make sure that he got to retreat and had everything he needed. And so um, it was really during undergrad that we got to know each other. But then through my RD times as an adult, I remember when I got my very first paycheck as an RD, I was going to spend it all because I'm like, I'm going to save for the rest of my life. I'm going to spend my entire paycheck. So <laughs> oh Father God. Don and I went out to a steak dinner at Ditka's and uh, I took him out before I took my wife out. <laughs> so we went out to a dinner and I bought a TV and that's the, Aww. that's where my first paycheck went. That's funny. <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> okay. Um, did you have a favorite place to study? I'm going to say, did you have a favorite place to study as a student? and or work as an RD, you know, get stuff done. Where'd you get stuff done? I I feel bad for saying it, but I, being a Theocat, I don't know. I just did not study a lot. (laughs) I I did not. I feel really bad. I played, I I played so many video games and then with Frisbee and stuff like that. I, I, knew this question was coming and I knew it would be embarrassing to say, but I feel bad because my wife is a nurse and going through nursing school at Franciscan, they, they, they worked so hard. And I feel like I was just like, Oh, I'm just playing Frisbee and going on my scent retreat and doing all this kind of stuff and hanging out and playing video games. And I guess the, the most work I ever did was probably, was probably on the second floor of Francis hall when I pulled in all night or maybe once or twice just to get all my procrastinated work in, but right, right, no, I didn't, yeah, I feel bad for not studying that much. You you've gotten by. It's I think right. yeah, and I think you have compassion then for your students now, right? <laughs> when you're teaching. Yeah, I think students. so. <laughs> it's a different point of view. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite thing to do off campus? Um, there was this uh, restaurant in Sumo. I I think it's still on Sunset, um, but it was called Sumo, or it is called Sumo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a sushi restaurant. Growing up in Japan, you know you come to love sushi and to get a good sushi restaurant in the middle of Steubenville (laughs) was, was kind of unheard of. And so when I, when we went there and actually had a really good experience and they have a great owner Hmm. and then my parents came and had the sushi as well. They were like, huh, we didn't die. And uh, 
it was actually pretty decent. So I, I love that restaurant. So shout out to Sumo. Yeah, good to know. I know. I think I've only been there once. So I'll have to and I think try I, it again. I was lame and I didn't get the actual sushi. So <laughs> we yeah. gotta we gotta get the good stuff from a you know, from a guy that's been to Japan and lived there. Yeah. How how, how did you and your wife get engaged? Yeah, because you, you said you dated all through high school and then Franciscan. So you'd already no. right after high school. So we knew okay. each other all through high school. Oh we started we started dating wow. for long, long distance time. for a year. Yeah. I knew she was I knew she was the one after she transferred to Franciscan. There's no there's no real awkward way to get out of that one where she transferred for me. It's like, yeah, if you're gonna transfer for a boy, Aww. then make sure he's the right boy. Aww. And um, So you guys so go that, to Austria together, right? Yeah, so I, I took a summer class so that I could go um, in that fall because nursing majors can only go right. a certain semester. So we timed it up, and um, I got the ring right the day before I left for Austria because I was going early as an RA wow. to ask her dad. I wanted to have the ring when I asked her dad, and he asked, he asked, um, he asked, "Are you going to wait until after graduation?" I was like, "Yeah, we're going to wait." He's like, "Okay, good luck," and so <laughs> we. <laughs> That was, so that was our, her sophomore year, technically, and my junior wow. year, and we were going to wait till after we graduated. So we were going to be engaged for three years, but she was on board with it. And uh, while we were in Austria, I had a ton of household brothers there, and she had like three household sisters. And so what I arranged was that all of the household brothers were going to kind of be in like a, like a line, like a little rosary, so to speak, where she'd go to person to person, and they would read her a poem or like song lyrics from Beyonce or something like that. And then say a prayer with her. And then her household sisters were along the way. And um, she ended up in the Cartauza chapel in the choir loft. The last two people were actually my best man and her maid of honor to kind of hand her off. Mm. And upstairs in the choir loft, what I did was I had like hundreds of candles that were left over from another engagement that happened in Austria. <laughs> I lit all those candles, so hundreds of them, and then I bribed all the Cartauza children, all the professor's kids <laughs> with Milka, and I said, hey, you guys got to dress up, and you're going to be in a children's choir, and you're going to sing while I propose um, to my girlfriend, and they agreed, which was great. Um, it only, yeah, it only cost a few Milka, but she had said one point, you know, in our dating she's like if there's not a children's choir at my engagement then i'm not saying oh yes so right. i was like, yeah. like it's off gonna, these are it's i'm off. gonna put that little nugget wow. in there oh my goodness and so yeah it was wonderful we had a and then all of our friends gathered in the like the chapel after they were like in a, so i presented her over the balcony and i was like she said yes and woo, champagne and everything and so that's really I, I, special. It, that story is a heart melter that's for sure that's yeah it's a special go. place it is a special place. And now it's even more special, you know? So yeah. you guys are going to have to go back one day with all your kids and be like, hey, give <laughs> us a song. We got to recreate this moment, right? <laughs> Soon enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Well, Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing that really incredible story about uh, Fatal and the impact that it made on so many of our students and, you know, continues to today. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Keep keep up the good work. Super excited to listen to you guys, especially on my commute. Aww. Hey, we're here to serve. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. 
And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.